With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Laura Lee Day? Laura Lee Day was born sometime around 1965 in 1982, when she was 17 years old, she was living in Orange County, California. Laura was dating a 21-year-old college student named James Kendall when he decided he wanted to see other women. On May 11, 1982, James drove Laura in his pickup truck to her residence in Laguna Beach and dropped her off. Laura retrieved a revolver, walked back to the truck, and shot James once in the chest. She then shot herself once in the shoulder. James did not survive, but Laura did. Before the shooting, Laura wrote a note on a business card indicating she intended to commit murder and bring an end to her own life. Facing life in prison, Laura decided to change her story. Now she was saying that she was a victim. Her boyfriend was violent, and she was just defending herself. She would go on to change her story several more times. Eventually, she pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, but was sentenced to the California Youth Authority instead of a traditional prison. This division is now referred to as the California Division of Juvenile Justice. It may sound like this prison would be a little bit better than a normal prison, but in many ways it's actually much more dangerous. The upside for Laura was that she was released after just five years. In addition, she earned a degree in psychology during her time in prison. By the early 1990s, Laura was living in Baltimore and working as a counselor in a hospital. She found that job to be too stressful and decided to work as a dancer in a nightclub. Laura married two times, but she missed a crucial step, namely getting a divorce after the first one. She was convicted of bigamy in 1993 and sentenced to six months of probation. The police believed that Laura was married to a third man as well, but they could not prove it. In 1995, Laura was arrested after setting fire to her brand new Mitsubishi vehicle and trying to collect insurance money. When she was arrested, the police found that she was in the possession of Dallas Cowboy commemorative plaques and a $3,000 engagement ring. She had stolen these items from her neighbors. Laura was sentenced to seven years in prison but all but six months was suspended. Laura moved to Corpus Christi, Texas in 1997. She said that she worked as a bikini model and alluded to some other activities involving selling images, but claimed that the images were not of her. Rather, she bought these images from other people and sold them. Whatever she was doing, she somehow managed to afford a waterfront mansion. I'm guessing the images she was talking about featured 
clothing-free subjects. Laura married a man whose last name was Day. They had a son named Cameron. In the summer of 2011, Laura met a truck driver named David Suring, who was 12 years younger than her. Laura worked as a sales representative at the same company where David worked. The pair started talking and sharing stories about how they were both unhappy in their marriages. At this time, David was married to a woman named Kelly. They had a son named Taylor. Laura divorced her husband, and David divorced his wife, Kelly. David and Laura started living together. Laura sent her son Cameron to live with his father so that she could be alone with David. Kelly was not happy with the situation. She put a morality clause in the divorce agreement indicating that David needed to be married to anyone who spent the night in his house when Taylor was there. In August of 2012, David and Laura married in Las Vegas. David saw his son Taylor every other weekend. David and Laura started to pursue full custody of Taylor. Laura wanted to gain custody and move away from Corpus Christi. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On October 5, 2012, Laura picked up Taylor from school. Typically, Taylor would have been dropped off for a weekend visit on a Saturday, but Laura asked Kelly if she could pick Taylor up for this weekend on Friday. Kelly permitted this because she thought Taylor would be disappointed if she didn't. This is what happened next, according to Laura Day. Laura did not have any plans after picking up Taylor from school. Taylor told Laura he wanted to have a picnic on the beach. Laura agreed with this idea, but she did not mention it to David. She bought Taylor a Happy Meal from McDonald's and drove to her residence to pick up towels and swimsuits. She then drove to the beach and looked for a place to park. She was unhappy with all the people who were there, so she kept driving down the beach farther in an effort to find a less populated area. After finding a location where there were few people, Laura let Taylor swim in the ocean. He had a life jacket on, which he always wore in the water. Laura said that Taylor was complaining about his neck, like the life jacket was rubbing against his neck and making it sore. She removed the life jacket and monitored his swimming performance. She was satisfied that he was capable of swimming without the life jacket, and she allowed him to swim as she watched from the beach. A few minutes later, something pulled Taylor under the water. Laura ran out to look for him, but he was gone. She then saw him floating face down about 150 feet away. She pulled him out of the ocean and onto the beach. He was not breathing, but she was so panicked and disoriented, she failed to perform CPR despite being certified in it. Laura thought if she called 911, the paramedics would take too long to arrive. Therefore, she decided to drive 12 miles to the hospital. The trip took 20 minutes. Taylor was pronounced dead at the hospital. Laura was arrested and charged with child endangerment. She posted a $50,000 bond less than 24 hours later. As a condition of her bond, she wasn't allowed to be anywhere near children. But the problem was that Laura wanted to go to the mall. Laura put on a wig and entered a shopping mall, but a police officer recognized her. On December 4, 2012, Laura's bond was revoked. The court simply refused to tolerate having somebody accused of drowning a person running around loose in a shopping mall. I guess because of all the oceans in there and everything. The police were able to get a break in the case after this. A man came forward and said that he was on the beach the day of the incident. He said that when Laura was driving off of the beach, she waved at him and smiled. In January of 2013, 
Laura was charged with capital murder. She went to trial in June of 2013. She was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Now moving to my analysis. Laura Lee Day maintains her innocence. There doesn't seem to be much question that she was responsible for Taylor's death, but was she guilty of capital murder? Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that Laura was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. On the day that Taylor died, Laura deviated from the typical plan for visitation. She did not inform David or anyone else of her plans. She said that she traveled to her house to pick up towels and swimsuits, but in a recorded call from jail, she changed her story and said that she never stopped at the house. Laura drove to an isolated area of the beach. She removed Taylor's life jacket, which was a deviation from typical behavior. According to Laura, she was on the beach and Taylor was 150 feet out into the water swimming. This is not safe regardless of the outcome. According to a witness, Laura smiled and waved when she was driving away. This is inconsistent with her story that she was in a panic. Laura did not administer CPR, despite being certified to do so. Instead of calling 911, Laura drove 12 miles to a hospital. Laura did not comply with her bond conditions. Laura had a previous murder conviction. That's never a good way to start out defending a murder charge. Laura had a history of other criminal activity even after being released after serving time for murder. It doesn't seem like she learned her lesson. Laura had a history of being jealous of David's ex-wife, Kelly. Now moving to the exculpatory factors. No one witnessed Taylor drowning. Perhaps he died in a manner consistent with Laura's story. There was no video of the incident. Every year in the United States, about 800 children and teenagers die from unintentional drowning This may have simply been an accident. When weighing all the evidence, do I think that Laura was guilty of capital murder? Yes, I think she was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Her refusal to render any meaningful aid to Taylor is not something she can explain away. It points to intent. Now moving to the next section. Here are my thoughts on a few areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. Laura's behavior aligns with a number of borderline and histrionic personality characteristics, not necessarily the personality disorders. There's no information about her mental health status. Rather, I'm talking about the traits of these personality types. From borderline, Laura had a fear of abandonment and was impulsive, like when she murdered her boyfriend in 1982 for breaking up with her. From histrionic, Laura had a desire to be the center of attention, used her physical appearance to attract attention, and believed that relationships were more intimate than they really were. 
People who knew her said that she flirted with men, but did not have any female friends. This behavior is associated with histrionic personality. It appears as though Laura perceived women as competitors and felt as though her romantic relationship with David was under threat. The largest threat, of course, would be his ex-wife, Kelly. When Laura was in jail, she asked David if he loved her more than his ex-wife. Most people facing life in prison would not consider obtaining the answer to that question to be a priority, but for Laura, it's probably all that mattered. She was obsessed with confirming that she was the most important person in David's life. Laura may have viewed Taylor as a direct competitor, in addition to being a connection to Kelly. Another possibility is that Laura viewed Taylor as a representation of the romance that David and Kelly must have had at one time. Taylor was the incarnation of their love, and therefore was exceptionally threatening to Laura. Whether she viewed Taylor as a direct competitor or as a connection to Kelly, Laura was able to build up anger and hatred toward Taylor using her distorted perceptions. When she committed the murder, Laura probably felt like she was protecting her own life because if David left her, it would feel like she was dying. Item number two, David initially supported Laura, which exemplifies the power that Laura was able to exert. Eventually, David became convinced that Laura was guilty. I think this shows how the effects of exposure to a toxic partner can wear off if contact is discontinued. Laura and David are now divorced. Laura has found a new love interest, although she's not sure that she would marry her new lover if she was released from prison. One thing is certain, Laura doesn't have a shortage of confidence. Here she is in prison, with almost no chance of getting out. She has a boyfriend, but she's like, yeah, I really want to keep my options open. Item number three, Kelly believed that David was partially responsible for what happened to Taylor. I think this is reasonable, but I believe a lot of people would have missed the warning signs with Laura. Most people do not have knowledge about destructive personality traits. They don't know what to look for. I think the problem with David's behavior is that a week before Taylor was murdered, he searched Laura on the internet and found out about the murder she committed in 1982. Laura denied that the person he found was her, when of course it actually was. Clearly, it would have been more prudent for David to put the relationship on hold, despite Laura's denial. David took a chance, and the outcome was tragic. Considering that David did not break up with Laura immediately after the murder, his behavior prior to the homicide doesn't surprise me. This also speaks to the power of being with someone who has borderline and histrionic personality traits. Laura was able to maintain a hold on men. For some men, having a partner who is looking for constant reassurance is considered a positive. It makes them feel more secure themselves and makes them feel as though they are in charge of the relationship. In reality, nothing could be further from the truth. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.